And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. We have some market commentary with our friend Chris Marcus today. Before we get into this conversation, just a quick look at the numbers. Uh, it's about lunchtime here in the Rocky Mountain State, uh, Colorado. Uh, gold's pretty flat, down 11 bucks or a half a percentage point on a futures basis. Silver, uh, it's down about uh, eight tenths of a percent, uh, 26.52. Uh, the miners for the GDX, GDX day, just a little bit of a down day. Seems like a little bit of consolidation. Nothing really crazy happening in the precious metal markets, um, except what's going on behind the scenes. And that's why we bring in our friend Chris Marcus from Arcadia Economics. Uh, before we press record, Chris, you were asking me, do you really, really understand what's happening? About what could potentially happen with these gold in silver miners and producers um it seems like you got a lot on your chest my friend you got to get it out so let's get it out well i mean it's uh it was interesting i was almost going to catch you on your intro there when you said there was nothing happening in the markets until you said behind the scenes um i'm looking at this chart now and I can't think of any way that any person, any market student would look at some of these gold and silver charts and say that reminds them of a normal distribution, the way, you know, we grew up with this efficient market hypothesis, which <laughs> I'll try and stay on track, although I could have a field day on that one. The idea that everybody is getting the same information, pricing it in, in a complete rational manner. Um, when we have Tesla, I guess, I guess now is over two. You know, a, te a share of Tesla is worth more than an ounce of gold priced in dollars. And I would suggest that you don't see silver sit there below $20 for four years. And then within the span of a month, goes up to 29, down to 25, back up to 28. That's not how a, a pricing normally works normally i don't know maybe microsoft they have a big earnings and they make a lot more money the, that that's the idea that i believe most people are investing with um and certainly uh you know it's veered far from that and that is why i wrote that book the big silver short trevor i think you need to start reading and i don't use the n-word lightly need um <laughs> but listening or reading your friend Dave Kranzler, who I know is involved with your show, he lays out chapter one pretty clearly. And that's why, you know, I'm careful of what the targets I put on there and, uh, you know, and being responsible in that sense. But when you look at what's happening in that you have, Tesla was 225 bucks last September before they started the repo lines. Now it's 2000. So does it make more sense that Tesla that I, I, you can ask Kranzler. I mean, I think maybe they finally had a quarter where they, they didn't lose money, but a company that by all looks and and feels, you know, is kind of hard. It seems like they've never made money except for maybe recently has gone up eight X. You know, what happens if that happens to silver? And I would say that when you have, you could put this amount of leverage on any market and you'll get this type of price movement. And that's why um, I don't even think I can grasp it properly. 
because you go, you know, yeah, I talk about the silver manipulation. And I know that makes you all giddy and, <laughs> and, you know, but there's a reason why, and there's a reason why the prices have been so distorted. And then when you factor in that the Fed is guaranteeing that the dollar is eventually going to be worthless, um, you know, I still maintain my belief that we have not seen anything yet. And to me, it's like, I, I don't even really look at the, I'm, I, I'm not giving trading advice. I personally don't like care what the price of, I see you're wearing your EMX hat is today. It doesn't matter to me. It's like, talk to Scott Close and uh, David Cole, and then listen to Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, Ben Bernanke, and Jerome Powell. And to me, that's that's the simplest way I can break it down. Who do you, who do you want to put your money with? And it, to me, it seems obvious. Then hammer on the leverage that's unraveling to some degree now. And whenever that finally goes, um, that that's why to, to me the miners you know the ones where you yeah, really I, trust the folks running it I'm, I'm with you chris i hear what you're saying uh i posted on twitter a couple days ago i said listen if we just stick with gold gold's trading in 1935 so we're kind of in this range between 1900 uh, 1950 we're trading in there it seems like we're consolidating even with those two big price attacks we had over the last two weeks uh they're still buying people are coming in and buying that dip and this is just an incredible sight to be had it may not look exciting on the chart it may just look you know like a landscape horizontal move but this is probably the best thing that could happen for the price of gold similar action within silver but i said if you look at this, if this stays right here within the Q3 numbers of those miners and even into Q4, find me another industry that's going to have that type of margin off their products, and I will consider putting my own capital into it. There's nothing that is just blatantly put that is right in front of my face that says these margins are just completely outstanding. Can you think of one? Yeah. Can you think of another industry that's like, well, these margins are, I mean, these, this industry is a cash cow. That's better than mining. It's like, what would you rather bet on for the third quarter? Tesla's margins or a silver miner? Yeah. I mean, I, I know you talk to a lot of them. I bring a lot of them on my show. And it was interesting how they were talking about, it was almost like a life-saving difference when silver was going from 17 to $18, or let alone to $19. Um so, I mean, what, what do those margins look like? You know, you get a quarter. Um, yeah, I guess the Q3 will cover now and we'll see. I mean, I talk a lot about seeing $50 as a floor for silver. And uh, certainly I still maintain that belief. Um, but I mean, you don't have to get to $50 for these miners to be doing really well. Uh, I had Jack Lundeen of Bluestone Resources on. Uh, the show a couple of weeks ago, and I was asking him like to put in perspective the gold stocks, how much money they're making at. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to grasp, and I think it'll be great when we see some of these numbers. He mentioned that they haven't even done projections. It's like, well, you know, we had the thirteen hundred dollar projection, and then the fifteen hundred projection, and then last month we tacked on. It's like they can't even keep up, and now. Uh, you know, whether it's 1900, it's gone over $2,000 a couple of times. And 
you know, I mean, I, will it be a straight line? I wouldn't expect as much, but at the end of the day, even with gold at $2,000 and the 10 year treasury of the world's supposed safe haven reserve currency, 0.6% with a, the Fed has an inflation mandate of 2%. So basically they're, they're, they're guaranteeing that you're going to at least get over a 1% loss. So, I mean, it's a wash. Like why, why even buy it? Why buy the debt? Why buy a bond? I mean, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of people who think, well, the Fed's going to buy more and push it higher. And there's some truth to that. Although I think that's the exact definition of a Ponzi scheme, you know, except instead of Bernie Madoff, now we have Jerome Powell and everybody pretends that this is a legal, sane arrangement, um, you know, and again, I've been listening to a lot of financial audiobooks, like Reminiscences of a Stock Operator, Market Wizards, just hearing throughout time, throughout industry. And this is the same thing that happens over and over again. It's happening now. And yeah, that's the challenge is that when other people look at your beer and say, why would you want a gold stock or gold's a bubble or, you know, but, <laughs> you know, what, what, are, what uh, actually, Trevor, I got one for you, for right. you, if I may ask a question. Sure. Let's say I tell you, you can't invest in anything precious metals or miners related. Where are you going to put your money? What would you advise somebody to do if you take those options off the table? $2,000 Tesla stock? Um, at the current moment, uh, I'd probably chase where the momentum is, to be honest with you. And I've been doing that on the side. Uh, I, I have been. I've been doing some trading on some of those big tech stocks the last couple of weeks, but doing all right because I see that's where the momentum is. Uh, be honest with you, on the mining side of things, I'm uh, I'm sitting on a lot of I'm sitting on cash, and I'm waiting for if there is a bigger correction to come to get back into pos some positions that uh, I may haven't had the chance to get into yet or um, missed on the first big move. Uh, but as long as I have cash, I have the opportunity to buy. And so that's where, where I'm heading. Uh, on top of that, so I've been able to increase that cash position by doing some trading with the, some of these big flying tech stocks. Um, you go where the momentum is. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Tesla and Apple and Amazon aren't uh, overvalued by any means. And yes, there's some shady, uh, shady accounting. If you read about it, that it definitely makes sense, but there's opportunity there. Uh, the other thing uh, that I am, I have, I've had some questions about uh, my thoughts on cryptos as a safe haven. Um, Although I, Trevor, yeah, go ahead. If, if I just one second before you switch, I agree with what you're saying there, but leave aside trading or, or speculating. If you're talking about someone that you know, your mom or, you know, someone who's like, just saying like, Hey, I want my money safe. I mean, would you agree then that it's like, th there's not really many things you can safely recommend at the way things are priced today yeah. when you have every, you know, negative yielding junk bonds in us treasury. Well, and like, listen, to simplify it. Um, if you look at the market versus the economy, like I'm hearing stories and you lived in New York. I'm hearing stories that even you walked out <clears throat> down the street in Manhattan, it still looks like a ghost town. 
I don't know if you're hearing the same things from any of your colleagues that live in the city, but from what I've heard is like, it's not nearly as the hustle and bustle of the big apple has not returned. Uh, there are still storefronts closed. Main street is still struggling. I don't even know. Is there still 20 million people unemployed? I, I don't even remember what the number is. Um, you know, people are angry. People are upset on all different levels. We are kind of at this crossroads uh, where we can't like see each other and like see each other for, uh, you know, people. We have to find something to disagree with each other every time. And that's really troublesome. We can't have civilized conversation anymore. Uh, it's a really ugly time here in the States. And uh, it's, uh, you know, with the election down the pipeline, it's not going to get any better, obviously, the next three months. Um, you know, and uh, it, it's it's tough. Like, so there's so there's so much disconnect between what the market's doing on every different aspect of the market to what the econ- economy really is. Uh, but there's a lot of capital on the sidelines. There's trillions of dollars in savings accounts. There's trillions of dollars in new printed money, and it's got to go somewhere. And if it's if it's got to go somewhere, where's it going to go right now? The best place, the, mo- the best opportunity is right some of those momentum tech stocks. I don't blame people for that, but it is awfully awfully risky and dangerous. Uh, you got to get in quick. You got to be a sniper. You know, you got to scalp that stuff. Whereas, thank God for precious metals. <laughs> thank God. I mean, I can have capital in the metal. I can have capital in the mining stocks. I'm obviously bullish on mining. I am bullish on some key exploration and core holdings. Uh, and then I speculate with a couple of companies that I really, really like. And I think mm-hmm. have tremendous upside. Uh, that I I think are still really undervalued compared to where they are in the project. Um, <clears throat> but I did really well, and I'm sitting. I'm, I'm sitting right now. I'm, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient like the hawk that sits in my backyard, looks down, tries to find a mice or a snake in the garden, you know? Like, that's me. That's what I'm doing. I'm waiting. And then I'm going to pounce. Gee, I'm going to be careful next time you invite me over in that backyard. I thought we were hanging out Friday. Yeah, you got me in public, so. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd I'd still take my chances there than we're at a party with a bunch of treasury investors, but we'll we'll (laughs) leave that alone. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's. I don't know what else on a long-term perspective. So here's one thing that's also, for everybody who's listening, we, Chris and I cross promote these interviews. So they're not really interviews, they're more conversations, you know, deep thoughts by Chris and Trev. And so you're going to air this on the Arcadia Economics YouTube channel. This will go up on the podcast. These typically turn out to be more than rants and editorials and anything else. Well, you know, one thing that's really bugged me, Chris, lately, this whole, uh, and bugs me is like I like I don't disagree, but I do dis but I, I don't agree or disagree. But it's this big discussion about cryptos and Bitcoin that all of a sudden since uh uh David Portnoy from Barstool has said he's going all in on cryptos and then he gets the what is it, the Twinklevoss twins or whatever their last name is, talk about how Elon's gonna mine all the gold in the asteroids and make 
gold price obsolete because there's going to be so much of it. Uh, uh, you might have a screen or something. I mean, think about this. If Elon Musk goes to the asteroids to mine all the gold, I'm going to, everybody who owns any gold is going to be rich beyond belief. Elon Musk, well, you know, I guess you could make the argument he only does stuff to make money. He doesn't really make a lot of money, but he creates wealth for himself. But I like the chances. If that's the case, but it just goes to show you like now all of a sudden there's this debate between the crypto the crypto gala about how gold and silver are going to become worthless based on supply. And they're basing their argument on a digital currency that's only been around for a decade based on millennia. And there it's like I I think we need to find a way to get that you know get that crowd to understand exactly why gold is valuable, how it's produced, why it's not going to become obsolete ever as much as people try. And there obviously there are risks just like bitcoin is, right? You shut off the internet, you shut off the electricity, how are you going to get your bitcoin? Doesn't that make it worthless? I understand what you're saying um I remember I actually heard a really good response to that exact uh, question a while ago. Uh, maybe I'll recall in a moment what it is. I mean, if they shut off the internet <laughs> or they shut off the power, I mean, that's kind of, I don't know, you can like just like shut down cryptos. I mean, there's, I don't know how, but yeah, it's the same. And someone could say, uh, well, you know, I had someone ask me this morning, can they nationalize the mines? They, I look at it, there's there's no guarantees in life, you know. There's you always a across risk. this the street. Um, with that said, I mean, I know there's a lot of this uh, animosity between crypto people and metals people. I don't get it. I I really don't get it. Like I am, me for one. Like obviously, like I believe in what precious metals are and what it represents. I I don't disagree with Bitcoin at all. Like I, I, I fully support if, if the market claims it as a safe haven and the market is willing to adopt it as a safe haven, I'm not going against the market. Like I can accept it. Now, do I see risk involved in cryptos and Bitcoins? Absolutely. But there's risks involved in precious metals as well. There's risks in people want absolutes, I guess, is the way we've been conditioned. And, you know, and that, that's you, you can want that and that's fine. I guess that's why the trading floor is helpful to me. It's great training in distinguishing between what you want or what you think is fair and what's going to happen. Um, I guess partly I've, you know, I think, you know, I love silver, um, big silver advocate. <laughs> With that said, I mean, let's say, uh, you know, you want to go live another country or you want to go travel somewhere and you have $20 million of silver. Um, you know, I look at them as different tools where, you know, then in that case, you know, having liquidity or maybe, you know, uh, crypto serves a different purpose where you can go somewhere else. I know there are gold and silver back cryptos. Um, at the same time, if you told me 98 or 99% of the cryptos that there today are complete junk and will be obsolete, I wouldn't doubt that. But to the degree, I guess I've always been, uh, I think the first time I heard about Bitcoin was in 2011. And it was when I was talking to a friend who was, I used to buy silver from him. He worked for Peter Schiff's. 
precious metals dealership. And we would talk about the silver manipulation. We'd talk about Austrian economics. And when it's like, when I find someone is seeing the same reality that I am, and then he was talking about Bitcoin, it seemed to me that it was developed by someone with a libertarian mindset that saw the same issues. And to the degree that, let's say you want to hire a web developer in Taiwan this afternoon, what are you going to like shave off like a fraction of your gold coin and mail it? You know, I look at, forget Bitcoin for a second and whether it's worth 3000 or $20,000, the blockchain represents, you know, a, I think picture Visa or MasterCard instead of whatever stereotypes people have, you know, and uh, maybe one last thing I might point out I see Bitcoin today is 11745 bucks. So it's been around, what was it? 2009, I think it was invented. Yeah. Maybe that's the right date or not. So 10, 11 years now. I mean, yeah, there's been great price volatility. I, you know, I would never say that the prices of, I, I don't expect the price of gold and silver to be stable or the price of Bitcoin. Uh, I think it's really the dollar that we will see collapse yet. Right now it's worth almost $12,000. And if it was hackable, my understanding, and I know there's, you know, if there's a crypto expert, maybe I'm, hopefully I'm getting this close, but I don't believe anyone has ever actually hacked Bitcoin. Now there have been exchanges that people have, and, you know, people have lost their keys. And, you know, if someone does shut down the internet, I don't know what would happen there. But to me, and again, I'm not telling anybody else what to do, but why I would feel comfortable if I bought certain tokens at a level I liked. I mean, there is the market caps, 216 billion. So if someone knows how to steal it. So again, I look at them as tools. I don't think we need to convince Bitcoin or anybody of anything. I don't think anybody needs to do anything. Do I think that it's a great market, especially for mining companies or uh, gold and silver folks? I find when you explain it well, people get it. Yep, I do too. And there's also, I've met some, uh, we have a meetup group. There was a guy who came once, nice guy. He didn't even want to hear about the other cryptos. He was like, there's Bitcoin and there's everything else. And he didn't want to hear about gold or silver. And that's fine. So that, that's what Austrian economics promotes, competition of currency. Let the market sort it out rather than U.S. government and the military when you're forced to use something. Similarly, I know metals people that will probably never, I don't, I don't know. Do you think we'll ever see Dave Kranzler own a Bitcoin? So, I mean, the concept could be valid. It could be the greatest thing ever. Some people probably won't use it, but that's the whole point. Whatever suits someone doesn't have to be one size fits all. And, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, anyone, it's, I, I find many of the criticisms about Bitcoin pricing, well, it goes up and down a lot. I mean, I'm invested in silver because I expect it, hopefully, wildly volatile to the upside. And, um, and I, again, back to what we were saying earlier, to me, I think it's unfortunate the U.S. government, central banks, and all of the way this Wall Street system is set up removes it's like, I, I know you, you talked about you're doing some trading, but it's like right now, I mean, typically cash in the bank would be the safe thing. 
Absolutely. But that's that's like a I mean you're getting a guaranteed loss. And that's if they don't steal the cash or even if you put it under your mattress, the Fed is hyperinflating the currency. So there's you know, if that helps uh, folks to think about it in that sense at all, but it's like really like, okay, you know, fine, sell the metals, yeah. don't invest in the miners and, you know, well, you like know, where, where do you put it? You know, one of the things that's easy to show um, is really when you talk about the value of the dollar, and I've been sharing this within my own uh, personal network of friends uh, outside of the business, but it's, all right, here's, here's your updated DXY chart. And look, look at that plummet. Look at that windfall down. Uh, it's in a really interesting spot right now uh, where it could go almost anywhere. I expect it to drop down to those levels we haven't seen since about the great financial crisis 11 years ago. I think it's gonna, it can get pretty ugly. Once we get to that point, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of fear that sits in about the U.S. dollar and the uh, power of your purchasing power of that currency. It'll be an interesting time. I mean, then once you show them that chart, they can get it. People understand. I mean, it, it's not, it's not an accident that this is happening. I mean, again, it's the ultimate the emperor's really naked moment. I, 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 and I think, honestly, Chris, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of political uh, partisanship about, well, why don't we have a stimulus plan? You know, why aren't we printing three, four, five trillion dollars more to help with the re economic recovery for the people? Well, I think how, think about what difficult position they are. And if, if, if they, don't do it, then the economy continues to suffer and may actually be the cover on the book finally. But if they do print it, look at where the dollar is. I mean, there if, if they print trillions of more, that DXY chart, I wholeheartedly expect that thing to drop hard. So I think the Fed, the Treasury, they are all in a really tough place right now because of the where the dollar is. I mean, I agree and would phrase it differently. It's past the point. It's like the guy borrows the money from the bookie, goes, gets loaded, hits the blackjack table, the money's gone. You can keep doubling down, but it's it's like the, the thing is bankrupt. Absolutely. And at least to me, I mean, that's that's the whole core premise of Austrian economics, and that's why it's oh they they've always talked about letting the that's the whole point of what gold and silver accomplish when they're used as money. It prevents this from happening because when you give politicians and bankers the ability to print money at will, history has shown they they, they don't have good restraint and guidance. And so you print some more and then you try and undo it, that's when the bubble pops wasn't an accident that the housing bubble popped when it did because Greenspan took rates down to 1% for a year. And when he tried to raise them, he was even advocating. You can look this up in February of 2004, there's Greenspan extolling the virtues of the adjustable rate mortgage product. 
Well, that's great, except by June of that year, he started raising interest rates. So people's payments went up. When you give the teaser credit, of course. So, you know, but the, the more you dig that hole, all right, you know, fine. Thing collapses. What did they do? They, they turned on the hyperdrive. Mm -hmm. Look at, I mean, someone, if, if anyone's listening at home um, on the radio uh, and can't see the screen, pull up the Tesla chart. Look, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just a coincidence that the thing's gone vertical since the Fed started the repo lines. It, it was 200 bucks a year ago, $225 on September 3rd. And somehow that company, I mean, you know, I wave, guess if someone thinks momentum. that's unconnected that, but I mean, we'll put it like this, the Fed stops printing, watch how quickly that, and we saw it, we saw it at the end of 2018, tried to raise interest rates, got two and a quarter, two and a half percent, the thing was melting down. So for like three weeks. <laughs> so... so you're, you're right, Trevor, where that's, and again, that's why I felt as comfortable as I have. I, I mean, I didn't just lightly say, I'm going to go around and tell the world, you know, silver is a really good deal. I mean, I remember it's like, yeah, well, you sure you're ready to stake your career and reputation on it. But I mean, that's what allowed me to feel that way is understanding the credit cycle and what happens. Ben Bernanke talked in 2010, the virtuous circle that we're going to get from quantitative easing. He doesn't mention that you're going to get the exact opposite when you try and remove it. So they can't remove it. They will never remove it. The system will not be able to function under the current arrangement. So to me, it was always either A, they hyperinflate, which I think is what they'll most likely do because that's always the more politically savvy. It's easier to do nothing than to actually cut the debt. So they'll probably do nothing but print. And I don't think that's, I think that's unfortunate that people who have sworn an oath to serve a, a country are doing things that are highly fraudulent, in many cases illegal, against the spirit of the law, immoral, whatever you want to call it. I do my best not to sit there and dwell on that, but in terms of they're, they're already doing unlimited QE. The only thing they can do is more of it. And yes, you will see, I mean, you will see the stocks in that environment continue to go up. Maybe Tesla will be 3000 bucks by the next time we call, we do a call yet. I'll tell you what, I think that we're starting to see the unwinding of the leverage on the COMEX. We're seeing record deliveries of the metals, record demand. I mean, you can talk to a bullion dealer anywhere in the world. They'll tell you the same thing. I don't think it's COVID that's slowing these things down. I, I took a tour of the Denver Mint. The whole thing's like entirely automated. And it, it hit me the other day. I'm like, the mints are saying they're slowing down because of COVID. I mean, the only people there were the ones that were on the tour. That's funny. So I don't think these things are an accident. And, um, you know, uh, by the time it all sorts out, I think even, you know, Tesla, Tesla can go up eightfold. I want to, I'm, I'm, I am thrilled that I can buy these silver stocks and for anyone listening, I mean, I'm, not just saying this, any money that I earn, I put into bullion or silver miners after I pay for whatever I 
you know, living expenses. And, you know, we've talked about the reasons why, even if silver's like $50 and Tesla's like $4, $4,000 a share and the feds, I think they're cooking up something for September. It sounds like, or at some point be on the end of the year. Yeah. Sounds like we might, uh, well, there's still talk about, uh, yield curve control. So we'll see. see Translation, more printed money. Mm. And LTROs, <laughs> QE. I wonder who's the, the, the guy. Se- September, you know what? It's going to be, we got to get this wrapped up, Chris, but it's going to be two interesting months ahead. We're going to mm-hmm. have the announcement by the Fed that could have repercussions with the precious metals potentially to the upside. So we hopefully the ideal situation is we see a few weeks of consolidation here and then another big move in precious metals. That's what I'm kind of hoping to see. And on top of that, in October, October tends to be a very volatile time in the overall market. Uh, so we could see that as well in October with the month leading up to the general presidential election. If you thought August was volatile. <laughs> Just wait until September, October. Uh, it's going to be interesting. So maybe you and I should connect uh, here in a month or two and see how those ideas are panning out. Yeah, and actually, if I can uh, add one last thing, maybe we can check back in on. Did you know that silver this year has gone from $18 to 27 bucks, 26 bucks, whatever it is now? First Majestic Silver is actually down on the year. Mm. So again, I hope people always do what feels right to them, but I don't know, which seems better paying $2,000 for Tesla that maybe finally turned one quarterly profit or something like that, or uh, First Majestic Silver, you know, that has another $9 added to their margin um, in, context with everything else we just discussed and um i think there will be a beach ball effect at some point and uh who knows maybe when we check in next time it'll have happened by then but that's what i'll be keeping an eye on thanks chris thank you my friend pleasure as always chris mark is with our kd economics and i'm trevor hall with mining stock daily so uh thanks again we'll be back later with some more market commentary, we're actually going to be talking about the pebble mine with a few expert geologists, so stay tuned. <laughs>